0: Well, good morning, morning. God is good, and all the time, amen. It is a joy to be here this morning. I know several people are still coming in. I've got quite a few announcements to give you this morning, so bear with me as I share all of these with you. Uh, But we are super excited about Life Action coming next week, and they will be here next Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And they're going to be leading on Sunday morning uh, and each night. And we would love for each of you to be here. I can't stress how important it is that you would be a part with us um, as our life group leaders, our deacons, and uh, all the leadership at Luke 4.18 is just looking so forward to what's going to happen during these, t- these days. I call it a renewal. Some people call it like a revival, but we've got to remember that only God can bring revival, right? And so... We pray that God will renew our hearts. My my specific prayer has been, Father, open my eyes to see that what you're doing. Because we know, we know that God is always working. He's always moving. We don't have to invite him here. He's here. Where can we go that God is not, right? And so we are praying that God would open our eyes to see all that he is doing. Next Sunday morning, we will not have life group in the rooms. We will all be in here for our first session with Life Action. Then 10.30, uh, and then 6 p.m. that night is our third session. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, it's all at 6 p.m. And I want to thank you for all those who are hosting uh, some of the people staying at their house. And I also want to thank you for the loaner vehicles. We have received plenty of vehicles and homes, and we're just super excited. There's one other thing that's going to be happening with Life Action, and that's the ladies' luncheon on January 24th at 11.30. Uh, we would love for you to come and be a part of that um, you can sign up in the lobby or online and uh, there will be child care there's no cost for you to come there will be child care provided and the children will just simply need to bring a packed lunch so That's all that's taking place next week. Super excited. It's going to be a wonderful time. I know that it's a school night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but we don't do this, but just uh, this is the first time in three years that we've had something like this. So I pray that you would come and be a part each of those days. I do want to share with you, church, that... uh, over the Christmas uh, season, we took up money for Lottie Moon, which goes to the IMB, the International Mission Board. Uh, you know, I got to go with the IMB just recently overseas, and I got to see their operation and what they're doing, and I have never been so impressed with what was taking place with the IMB. The last couple years, we usually give around five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 at the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. This year, we've given $50,000 to the IMB Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And so I praise God for that. That almost covers one missionary on the field for the whole year. Uh, What a blessing. Um, I also want you to know that we're in a time of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We will be meeting here at 12 o'clock right after our worship time today. If you would like to stay from 12 to 1, we'll be praying here. And then all throughout Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week, we'll be here from 12 to 1 o'clock as well. Next, this coming up Monday, the office is closed, uh, but we will be having prayer in here at 12 o'clock if you would like to come and be a part. Our new members class starts on January 29th, goes for three weeks. You can sign up at the note table. That's my left, your right. When you, wait, if you go out there, it's still your left because you turn around. So over here, um, you can go to the note table and sign up. We also have two more quick announcements. We also have disaster relief training. Many of y'all saw the uh, tornadoes that went through Selma and other locations of Alabama. The Alabama Baptist Relief, uh, we go and help uh, disaster relief, and many of us have been trained. But this year, the training is here at Luke 4.18 Fellowship, and we are so excited about that. You can sign up at the go table to be a part of the disaster relief training. If you've already been trained, you can be cross-trained with some other area. We'd love for you to sign up. We are going to cover your cost If you sign up to come and be a part, the missions committee, we've talked last year about paying and and supporting our team, uh, our church, to be a part and be trained. So we will cover that cost. There is a $10 fee that you'll have to pay for a background check. But the cost for the training will be covered by Luke 4.18. And our last announcement today is our ladies' conference coming up February 3rd and 4th in New Orleans. Um, Today is the last day to let us know if, if we are helping you with the room, uh, the hotel in New Orleans, because we're going to finalize those hotels. So if you are needing that, if you're needing a hotel in New Orleans, you need to please come share uh, with Brother Randy um, or the Women's Committee and let them know. We would love to be able to help you with that. Today is a wonderful day. We're going to finish up the message that I didn't finish last week, but then we're going to have what we call uh, our Deacon Ordination Time And so I'm super excited about that. But I want to go to the Lord in prayer and just specifically pray for next Sunday and our time together with Life Action. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you are so good. The scripture calls us to return to you with our whole heart. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord and who can stand in your holy place? but he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Father, we're so excited about what you are going to do and what you are already doing in the lives of the members of Luke 4.18. Father, we thank you for this team that's coming in on Sunday to speak your truth and your word into our hearts. And Father, I pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. That we would place this into our heart. That we would fall humbly before you, Father. And say, search me and know me. Show me any evil way about me. Father, all throughout Psalm 119, it says how the word of God revives us. And so, Father, as the word of God is washed over us today and throughout this week. and, and, And particularly next Sunday through Wednesday. We know. That your word will not return void. So we know that revival, renewal will be taking place. Father, we can't produce revival, but you will when we fall on our face before you. As Paul said, oh, what a wretched man that I am. So, Father, we thank you for what you're going to do. We pray expectantly. We pray for the hearts of the team who comes as they share your truth. We pray for protection and provision for them, Father. But most of all, we pray that your name be lifted high and glorified as we fall on our face and glorify your holy name. Oh, Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for being here with us today. Now, Father, may our eyes be opened to see that you are with us today. Your presence is here. And so, God, we praise your holy name. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, amen. We're so thankful that you're here with us today, worshiping with us. If you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to take the welcome card that's in the seat back pocket, that's right in front of you, and fill that out. Turn that in to one of our boxes that we have at the back of the room, and you'll get a little bit more information about Luke 418 Fellowship. It's a special day for us, Deacon Ordination. Uh, And we are so excited for for everybody to be here uh, today. Would you stand, please, and welcome somebody around you as we sing that our Lord is holy. There's no one like our God.
2: Holy, 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 Lord God,
1: God. One more time together. Let's just sing this doxology of praise.
2: Holy, 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 lift your voices. Lift
1: a merciful and a wonderful Savior who has provided a way back to Him through the cross of Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice He made for our sin on the cross. We can be made right with Him. We have a Messiah, a Messiah who saves today. Let's sing. He became sin Who knew no
2: sin That we might become His righteousness, he humbled himself and he carried the cross. Love so amazing, love so amazing. Jesus, Messiah. I'm so
1: To that song says, "All our hope is in you. All our hope is in you. All the glory to you, the light of the world." Isn't that what we've been talking about? Trusting in God and in Jesus for our daily bread. And right now we're going to say something else. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I sent the choir a recording of this song from its original author, George Beverly Shea. Does anybody know George Beverly Shea? Okay, some of the young people over there like. Did he create a serial or something? No. Uh, no. But some of you know Chris Tomlin that, that Saint Jesus Messiah, right? Some of you know Cody Carnes who wrote Run to the Father. That's what we're trying to do here, guys, is, is we're bringing multiple generations together to say one thing, that Jesus is Lord of all and will be Lord of all no matter what we're singing, how we're singing it. It's all for his glory. Amen. So let's say that today. I'd rather have... Jesus then blank. Fill in that blank with everything. I'd rather have
2: Jesus than silver gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have rather us
0: than men's
2: applause, I'd rather be faithful to Him.
1: It's at the moment that we find out that Jesus is all we need that we have true freedom. And the great thing is that we can continually run back to that throne of mercy, that throne of grace. Say, God, I can't carry this anymore and He will carry our burdens. I love this song because it says just that. Running to the Father today.
2: I've carried a burden For too long on my own I wasn't created To bear it alone I hear your invitation To let it all go And I see it now I'm laying it down, and I know that I need you. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again, and again. Oh, oh, oh You saw my condition Had a plan from the start Your son for redemption The price for my heart And I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand. I can't comprehend. All I know is I need you. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a serve. My soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father again, and again, and again, and again, oh. And again, I run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the high. No reason to wait, Sing this my heart.
1: Father, we put you in your proper place today, and that is Lord of our life. Nothing is higher than your name. Nothing is higher on our priority list. Nothing is higher on our safety list. We know that you keep us directly in your hand today. We pray that we would get that straight first before we bring our need today. And as we walk through this valley of life with the ups and downs, we pray that we would rely solely on You. We pray today, Lord, that You would give us exactly what we need for every single situation and that we would be so dependent on You, Lord, that we would not try to store up things for our kingdom, Lord, but that we would say, let Your kingdom be done today. We pray that we would give out the forgiveness that You have given to us so richly, Lord, and that You would lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil so that we might do Your will today. In Jesus name we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. You know, I love that song and I love all the songs that we sing today as we focus in on God being our provision. We must run to the Father again and again. You know, I'm reminded of the song of the hymn that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Is that not seen in that song that we just sang, run to the Father again and again? Why? Because our heart is prone to wonder. And may we continue to run to the Father. And isn't it a joy to be able to call the creator God of the universe, Father I don't know about y'all, but that's overwhelming to me. I've shared that with you as we've walked through the model prayer. But it is overwhelming. David said in the Psalms, he said, This thought is overwhelming to me. I can't even fathom the thoughts that God has for me. How many and and how great they are towards me. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, open up to Matthew chapter 6. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount long enough that my Bible's marked by the pages almost falling out. We're going to continue in the model prayer. Some people call this the Lord's Prayer, but I want to remind you that this is a prayer, a model that the Lord gives us. He says, let me show you how to pray. He says, when you pray, don't just use meaningless repetitions, but pray this way. And he gives us this outline for us to pray. Now, we're not called simply to recite this prayer but we're called to use this as kind of the uh, outline of our prayer time. Jesus does have a high priestly prayer that we see later in the Scripture. Now, just to review for a moment, the first thing that we have seen in this model prayer is who we're praying to, our Father. I just told you it's overwhelming to think of the Creator God as our Father, but I want to remind you that only those who are born again Only those who are in Christ can call God Father. The Scripture even says that those who are not of Christ are of their father, the devil. The Scripture speaks of that. Now, God is creator of all, but He's only the Father to those who are His adopted children, those who have been born again, those who are in Christ Jesus. We saw three weeks ago that we we saw these six petitions that take place, Um, in this model prayer after speaking to our father who in heaven who art in heaven then there's six petitions the first three are all about god hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come and thy will be done church i've shared this and i'll say it again because we've sometimes we have to retrain ourselves but order matters in the scripture And so when Jesus says, start by recognizing who your Father is, that's very important. Oftentimes we start our prayer by saying, God, I need this, and this situation's too big for me, and and I'm struggling with this. And God, Jesus says here, start by saying, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I've shared with you that when we focus first on who God is, all of our mountains in our life become molehills. You know, the saying is, is that you turned a molehill into a mountain. But the reality of it is, is that there is no big, difficult situation in view of who our God is. As Mary heard from the angel, nothing's impossible with our God. As we see Paul's prayer in Ephesians, that Paul says that God can do far more abundantly than you could ever ask or think. I love what Charles Spurgeon said when he was 20 years old. He said this speaking about the Godhead, and he said, Would you lose your sorrow? Would you drown your cares? Then go plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea, be lost in his immensity, and you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. I know nothing which can be so comforting to the soul, so calm to the swelling billows of sorrow and grief. So speak peace to the winds of trials as a devote musing upon the subject of the Godhead. What Charles Spurgeon is saying is that when we focus first on who our God is, everything else gets in its right proper order. And nothing is too big for our God. You want peace in the midst of trials? You want calm in the midst of sorrow? Listen, we must focus in on who our God is. Last week we began the last three petitions, and the last three petitions all have us in it. Give us our daily bread. It says forgive us as we forgive others. And then the third one is lead us or guide us. And so we looked last week at the first two, um, spent a lot of time on the first one um, that says give us daily bread. I shared with you that oftentimes when we pray this prayer, we don 't realize our true need, our desperate dependence upon god and I want to share with you real quickly just one uh, just a minute of recap here, and that is this it 's easy in America with all the wealth and all the blessings that we have to think that we 've got this on our own and What I want you to hear is that i don 't believe that that christians say in their mind, God, I got this. But what happens is I believe that Christians begin to be lulled to sleep by the blessings and by the wealth and by the innovation and the technology that we have in America to the point that they're not saying in their mind, I got this, but their actions in their heart are saying, I got this, because they've been lulled to sleep. My prayer, as I shared last week, is that we would wake up and recognize that every day we are desperately dependent upon God for all things. That we would wake up every morning and say, God, give me today that which I need so that I can go forth for your kingdom. So I pray that that would be our heart, that God would open our eyes to see that. Then we spoke quickly on forgiving um, as God has forgiven us, we're called to forgive others. We don't forgive to earn forgiveness from God. We forgive because we have experienced true forgiveness from God. And if you've truly been forgiven of something that you could never pay, then you too would go out and live a life of forgiveness. Today, we're going to pick up in the last petition. So let me read to you this model prayer, picking up in verse 9, going through verse um. 13. It says this, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words. Holy Spirit, illuminate the pages today that we may place this into our lives. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us your word that we can walk accordingly to it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We love you, we praise you, and we ask that you would be glorified in this place today. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, last week I had three points. The first one we saw... Um, was give us daily bread or give us, right? The second one we saw was forgive us. And the third point that we're going to look at today, believe it or not, just one point today, um, and we're going to look at how we are called to be guided or guide us, that request to lead us, to guide us. Now, when we look at this passage, we see in verse 13, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The first thing I want us to recognize in this is that we're called to allow God, to let God, to lead us, to guide us. We're called to seek God for guidance in our daily lives. Uh, Let me just ask this question. How many of you think every day, Father, I'm asking you to lead me throughout this day? You know, we think about Psalm 23, the, uh, the Lord is our shepherd, right? And what does he do? He guides us, he leads us, he takes us and, and gives us green pastures, and, and, and he takes us in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't fear it. Why? Because he's with us, he's leading us. And in the midst of that, he sets a table before our enemies, and that table is for me and God. And so we see that we're called to let God lead us first and foremost, but how often do we truly allow God to lead us? I was thinking as I was preparing for the message about how often I hear one of my kids say, Dad, you lead the way. Dad, you lead the way. You know what they're saying in that moment? I'm going to follow. I'm following wherever you go. Church, can we say to God, our Heavenly Father, you lead the way? And I'm willing to follow because I know that you have my best interest in mind for your kingdom and for your glory. No matter what you allow me to go through today, you're leading me, you're with me, and I'm going to trust that there's a purpose and a plan and a reason for all that I'm walking through. Do we let God lead us? You know, I'm reminded of that example that I've shared with the church many times. That sometimes I think of Christianity and and our relationship with God as having keys to a car. And your life is that car. And oftentimes we tell God, we say, hey God, we want you in the car. I'm going to let you be uh, in in the, the passenger side and I'm going to drive and you're going to get to see and be a part of my life. The problem is, is God's not asking to be seated in the passenger seat of your car. God's saying, I want the keys. You sit in the passenger seat. You allow me to drive. You allow me to lead. You allow me to guide you. You go along for the ride as I lead the way. But the sad thing is, is oftentimes we say, hey, I got God with me, but I'm driving. And God's saying, no, I'm the one who leads. So the scripture tells us really two ways that God leads us. There's two ways, and there's probably many more that we could come up with, but there's two specific ways in the Scripture, and that is through God's Word and through the Holy Spirit. It says in this, in Psalm 119, 105, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Think about being in the woods late at night, and you're trying to see which way you're supposed to go. You need that lamp to show you, that light to show you the proper direction. But he also says in John 16, 13, that the spirit has come to guide us, to lead us. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth. Well, what's truth? God's word, right? The scripture says that God's word is truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Church, God is leading us through his holy word and through the Holy Spirit. Now let me tell you the the, the great blessing. You say, David, the Spirit's telling me to do this. Well, the way that we know that the Spirit's telling you to do that is if it lines up with what? God's Word. It even says in the Scripture to discern the Spirit. And how do we discern the Spirit? It says that, that the Holy Spirit will always glorify who? Jesus So you want to know if the Holy Spirit's leading you in a certain direction here or there? You've got to be a man and a woman of God's holy word. Otherwise, you will begin to mistake your emotions with the Spirit. Let me just say that again. If you're not a man or woman of God's word, you will begin to mistake your emotions with the Holy Spirit. You'll say, I'm supposed to do this, and the reality is that it doesn't line up with God's Word. That's your emotions, right? Emotions will lead us if we're not careful. We've got to submit our emotions under the authority of Christ and let the Word of God be our guide. The Holy Spirit is who illuminates and teaches us God's holy Word. So, church, we see that we're called to allow God to lead us every day through His Word and also through the Holy Spirit. We must be men and women of the Word. And, and y'all know some of my favorite passages, Psalm 1 and Jeremiah verse, chapter 1, verses 7, 8, and 9. Both speak of how we are called to meditate on God's Word day and night. Be careful to obey it. And Jeremiah 1 says, when you do that, then you shall have Success. Why? Because when you're meditating on God's word and when you are careful to obey it, you're allowing the Holy Spirit, you're allowing God to lead you every day according to His word. But this passage here doesn't just simply say, lead us. It says, do not lead us into temptation. Do not lead us into temptation. So you may say, but David, the Bible says in the book of James that God doesn't tempt. And that's true. That This passage is here because the enemy has temptations all over the place. There are temptations all over this world. And we are to pray, God, lead us away from these temptations. You know, I began to think about this and I said, Lord, how do I explain this in in just layman's terms, how do I explain this? Sometimes I like to make sure that the, the cookies are on the lower shelf, because I like to, to get the cookies from the lower shelf. And so here's, this is what the Lord told me. David, how many times have you gone to the grocery store with your kids? Anybody in the room gone to the grocery store with their kids? Yep. All right. As their dad, their father, I know where the candy aisle is. I know exactly which aisle I don't need to take them down. All the parents said, Amen. Because if I take them down that aisle, especially now they're getting older and more mature and somewhat more disciplined. But as a three, four-year-old, they're walking down the aisles and these, these candy stores have like the, the, the candy like people have like packaged this so beautifully to where they're like, oh. <gasps> Reeses, Snickers, Nerds, and you name it. And they're like, I got to I got to have this. And guess what happens when you go down that candy aisle? Have you ever heard a kid in the in the grocery store? "But mom, why? Or dad, why?" So strategically, as their father, when we go to the grocery store, we don't go down the candy aisle. If there's something that I need on the candy aisle, we don't get it. We're going to have to do without. Because I'm not taking them down that knowing what's going to happen. Church, when we ask God to lead us not into temptation, God our Father knows. And it's like saying, I'm not going to take you down this path because this path it's, it's that aisle that you're going to be, your mind is just going to. And so when we pray, it's, it's the same thing. Th- this temptation of the candy aisle. Listen, did I put that candy there as their father? No. The grocery store did. Now they did it because they want profit. Now listen, it's not that God tempts us. It's the enemy who's doing this. And we're asking God to lead us from that temptation. So how does God lead us from the temptation? Let's go back to Psalm 119.11. One of the very first verses that I ever memorized in Bible drill. And it says this. It says that God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? How many times just in Matthew 6 do we see the word beware? Beware of practicing your righteousness before men. And then we see three examples of this beware. How does God lead us? By speaking in his word, beware of this, beware of that. When we're in God's word, he shows us that when we're walking through life, God's word rises back up in us and we think and we say, God said, beware of this. Beware of pride rising up in us. Beware of of, of being in places that you don't need to be. Listen, when we know God's word, it leads us away from temptation. But can I tell you that the scripture then goes on and says this, but deliver us from evil. See, God's word leads us and he says, Jesus says, and deliver us from evil from the attacks of the enemy. God is our deliverer, church. Let me remember, remind you, excuse me, all throughout the Old Testament, we see that God delivers His people. We see when they're in slavery in Egypt, God is their deliverer. How many times does God tell them in the Old Testament, remember that I'm the one who brought you through the sea. I'm the one who delivered you. When they were in exile, remember Daniel... And he said, God is our deliverer. Church, God is our deliverer. First and foremost, he's delivered us from the captivity of the enemy through the sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ. Now, he is delivering us from the temptation of sin and when we walk in sin, he also is our deliverer. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and He Himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the world. Church, do we recognize that God is our deliverer and that we're called to pray, lead us, lead us not into temptation and deliver us. Praise God. He is our deliverer. And how else does he deliver us? By giving us the armor of God in Ephesians 6, that we can stand firm in the midst of the attacks of the enemy can i tell you that temptation is going to come in your life but praise god through the finished work of the cross of jesus christ on the cross by the finished work we can stand firm go home read ephesians 6 in the armor of god and what does he say first stand firm in his strength in his might who's jesus's strength and in his might let me take you back for a moment to the grocery store I do well not taking my kids down the candy aisle. But you know what happens? We get to the checkout. I'm telling you, grocery stores are very smart. Because at the checkout, the candy goes all the way down to your ankles. Do you realize that a two and three year old can pick up that candy? And they often begin to have a temper tantrum when you say no. And... My kids, many times, begged, pleaded, and I had to deliver them. <laughs> now, the way that I delivered them was by picking them up in my arms, often while feet are still kicking, and screaming in the ear. This was at two and three. I'm sure your kids didn't do this. And I took them out away from that for them to just get out of sight, out of mind, right? Right? But I also had to walk with them and talk with them and appropriately discipline them. Church, it's the same thing here as we look at this prayer. God, our Father, is leading us as we pray and seek Him away from temptation. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to have temptation and trials in your life. And there's going to be times that we're like that kid kicking and screaming saying, I want it my way. And God is our deliverer. He allows us to get refocused on his word. Repent and turn. And when we do, it says that we have an advocate, the Father, and he forgives us of our sin. Church, do we pray, God, lead us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us when we're like that little kid that wants it our way and we're throwing a temper tantrum, Father, deliver us. Bring us back. Show us your truths and your way. We finish this prayer with, for yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory, and forever. Like good bookends, right? We start off, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We end with, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Church, I pray that when we fall on our knees and cry out to God, that we would start with focusing in on our Father and that we would end by focusing in on our Father and His kingdom and His ways and His truth and His glory forever. You know, as we transition for a moment, I want you to know and see that the first church truly was a church of prayer. The first church who Jesus spoke to the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, He said to them, Hey, this, let me teach you how to pray. Pray this way. They believed, trusted, and, and put that into practice in the first church. In Acts chapter 1, 12 through 12-14, after Jesus had ascended to heaven, what did they do? They went and they prayed. I love what it says it says the disciples and the women and Mary went into the upper room and what did they do they prayed when the Holy Spirit fell down in Acts chapter 2 we see Pentecost Peter begins to give this proclamation of the gospel and then at the end of Acts chapter 2 what does it say they devoted themselves to what it says that they devoted themselves to breaking of bread together. They devoted themselves to the word of God. They devoted themselves to fellowship, but they devoted themselves to prayer. They were men and women of prayer. In Acts chapter 4, Peter, they had healed the, the lame man, right? Right? And they said, what what power have you done this in? And, And he tells them, it's not me, don't be mesmerized with me, it's God and what he's done. And they throw him in prison and they tell him, they say, listen, you can no longer teach or preach in his name any longer. What does Peter do? Peter goes back, shares with the group, and what do they do? They pray. They got a prayer service going on. And as they pray, they say this, Lord, take note of the threats. They don't say remove the threats. They say take note of the threats and give us boldness to proclaim your truth. And you know what happens in that moment? The walls shake. Right? Now, let me just tell you, I don't want, listen, I tell people all the time, we can can manufacture wall shaking and we can manufacture smoke and all this stuff. But let me tell you, I'm not about manufacturing anything. When God moves, only God could have done what took place. Then we see in Acts chapter 6, we see that there's a need. And they raise up deacons, they raise up those to serve. And what do they do after that? They lay hands on them, and they pray for them. Paul, on his missionary journey, when, him, when he and Barabbas were Barabbas I did that again, I said it this morning. when he and Barnabas were sent out on the missionary journey, what happened? But they were praying. They were fasting, and they laid hands upon them and sent them out. Church today as we finish up the model prayer. We're going to take a time and we're going to do exactly that, which we see in the first church. We're going to have a time of ordination um, for our new deacons. You know, you may ask me, you say, David, wh- why? Wh- what is a deacon? What's the purpose? Well, in Acts chapter 6, it speaks pretty clearly of this. And ultimately, a situation had arisen. And there was an issue where they needed people to step up and serve and They said, hey, we, as the apostles, we're going to devote ourselves to the Word of God and to prayer. So raise up some men that they would lead in serving. The Greek word for deacon means a servant. Here at Luke 4.18 and many different, different denominations and churches will we'll look at deacons in many different ways. But at Luke 4.18, here's the three things that I tell every man who's going to be a deacon at Luke that's been nominated. One is that they are called to be a lead servant. It says this in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, how did Christ, what did he do? He picked up a towel and he served, washed the feet of the disciples, including Judas. We're called to be lead servants. I tell each man, I said, we're called to be as a deacon, men of God's word. That when you speak counsel into my life, it must be from this, not opinion or thoughts. And I tell them that we're called to be men of prayer. That we're called to be praying for the members of our church. And let me just tell you that if you're a member of Luke 4.18, your name is split up onto a list. And every deacon has a list, which means that our deacons are praying for you by name. At some churches, they look to, to, to deacons to make all the decisions and leadership and all of this. But what we see in the scripture is that the pastor is called to lead, to feed, and intercede. And the deacons are called to come alongside to be lead servants, men of the word, men of prayer. So that the pastor can be focused in on God's word, prayer, and leadership. Today we're going to have a time of ordination. Ordination is the appointing or calling out of someone to the position of deacon. We recognize that God is the one who calls people to a place of ministry. God's the one who puts them in that place. And he's the one who will gift them their roles. Or give them gifts and need for their roles. In ordination, these men have been nominated by you as the church. Why? Because you've seen leadership and servant roles in their life. I'll tell you real quickly, the last thing we need to do in deacons, and nominating deacons, is just somebody who's popular. That's why I told you we need to get on our knees fast and pray and let the Lord lead you that you're seeing somebody as a servant. And then you say to them, hey, I want to nominate you. Today in ordination, these men that I'm about to share their names, they have been nominated by you because you've seen that they are men of serving, or servants. And the last thing that we're going to do is lay hands upon them and we're going to pray for them. Just as we see in the first church and just as we see throughout the scripture. Today I want to share with you those who are, um, that have been nominated and are deacons for the very first time at Luke 4.18 but only three of them will go through ordination. You say, why David? Because you don't have to reordain something that's been ordained. So if... A man has been ordained at a sister church. Then today they'll be a part of this time of praying for. But today, and I'm super excited. I'm just going to ask that you would just stand up when I say your name for those who uh, this is their first time being a deacon. At Luke 4:18, we have David Adams. We have Tim Anderson. We have Gary Gable. Roger Skipper, Marcus Young, all the way in the back. Our other current deacons that have already served before is Rad Davis, Tim Rutledge, Elliot Wayner, Tommy Williams. Gary Greeno, Hal Kane, Kendall Jordan, Bill McDonald, and Dan Barber, who is our chairman this year. There are three other guys that will be ordained today, and I'm going to ask them to come down front. Richard Atwell and his wife, Debbie, if you would come with him for prayer. Willie Dunham and his wife, Rachel. And John Ragland and his wife, Sharon. At this time, we're going to have a time of prayer for these men and their bride. I've asked Randy to bring out chairs for them to sit. And as we have a time of prayer... For them recognizing the call that God has placed on them. I'm going to ask that if you are an ordained deacon. That you would join us in, in, in laying on of hands and praying for them. I'm also going to say that if you're a family member or friend. And you would like to come and pray for one of uh, the, the, the couples that's here. That you would also come down and pray for them. And lay hands upon them. Y'all are welcome to be seated here down front, and deacons, if y'all want to come down for a time of prayer, church, I'm going to ask that you be praying for each of these men during this time. If you're a family or friend, you're welcome to come down and pray uh, for them and lay hands on them. You say, David, do I have to be an ordained minister or deacon to pray and lay hands? Absolutely not. We don't, the the scripture says that we as the church are called to pray. There's wives here who also need prayer. Ladies, if, if this is a family or a friend, you can come and pray for them. We're going to take a few minutes of prayer as some of our deacons will probably move from, from person to person. I also will come down and pray. Our staff will be praying. And then when we finish, Dan Barber will finish with a time of prayer. If you're seated in the congregation and you're just going to stay seated this time, which is perfectly fine and great, would you also spend time in prayer? Because let me tell you, the enemy is putting a target on their backs for stepping up to a position of leadership. And so let's pray for them during this time.
1: let's pray oh holy father how we come to you this morning in the name of jesus the power above all power the name above all names lord and we come in the power of jesus and the holy spirit lord we praise you we lift you on high this morning thank you for this time that we have to uh call out your servants lord and ordain them to be the men and the women and the spouses and the families that you've called them to be, Lord. We just pray for your guidance on every hand. We pray for wisdom. We pray for direction. Lord, we pray that you'd bind the evilness away from them as they serve you and all that you do. Lord, thank you for the blessing that we have to be a part of a church that speaks the word, only the word, Lord, that brings your name above all name to all nations. And Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And the blessing of this is, we ask that your blessings be upon us in Jesus' name.